0: Welcome to Some Days Today. Today's episode is a slight deviation from our normal theme of living your best life now. Today's topic involves something that is of particular interest to Mac and myself, which is exploring relationships. Of course, as we continue to go through COVID and the quarantine, We know as a society, we've had to deepen our connections with the relationships we have in our lives by being strategic as well as creative. And as a result of this, we've started thinking about the role relationships play in living a fulfilling life in general. This would be the first installment of a new series that we're calling Relationships Matter. Led by Mac, in today's episode, we will explore the difficulties around keeping and strengthening male relationships, particularly as men get older. So let's take a listen to a recent conversation between Mac and his friends as they explored this topic. Enjoy! Enjoy!
1: On this computer, all right? We are live. Okay, so welcome everybody to this episode of Some Days Today. I'm not sure exactly which episode this is, and if you are joining us for the first time, I'm going to let you know a little bit about what we do. If this is your, uh, you've, you've been here before and you're, you've been here with us and you understand that this is not some sort of professional display, what we have is, you know, we have... Conversations with people, and today I am not with our main uh, artist, our main, um, uh, I guess, uh, person who does the podcast. This is uh, Bolo. Matter of fact, when I told her I might, I might be doing this, she said, um, "We'll have to see exactly how this sounds. You might have to find your own thing." So this may not even be some days today. But anyways. To- <laughs> And you guys can hear some laughter in the background. So I am joined by some good friends. I have Zach Miller, Jed Rogers, and Sean Taylor. Um, And, you know, I'll give you a little bit more about um, how we met uh, based on what it is that I'm trying to do and what I'm talking about. So what we're doing is I've called this discussion male bonding discussion. And so what I'm trying to do is have a Conversation about how men, particularly men in, in America, I don't want to generalize too much about relationships and other cultures, but I know that um, within America, if you do any kind of Google search about men in relationships, you'll find that there are tons of articles about how difficult it is for men to have relationships. There are two uh, movies, comedies that have been made on this. Uh, you pro- guys have probably seen Paul Rudd's. Uh, You know, I love you, man. Um, And uh, Kevin Hart also did a a movie called The Wedding Ringer about, you know, guys who are getting married and needing to have friends. And so um, that's the kind of conversation we want to have with these friends that, you know, I've uh, built. You know, we've been meeting, now it's coronavirus time, we've been meeting uh, virtually for the past two weeks, um, you know, just discussing things. And when, um, Zach Miller, who organized the virtual meetings, put this together. I was like, man, I was, a, I was immediately kind of afraid about jumping in <laughs> to this sort of thing. First of all, um, if you know a little about me, I'm an introvert, but, um, you know, you know, I um, also have my own individual quirks, but I thought to myself, you know what, I'm on a, on a, a mission to transform and grow. This is a good opportunity to start something today, someday was today. So I asked these guys if they would be willing to join the podcast. They said yes, and so now we are going to have a man's discussion on friendships. And so, um, so I, you know, I, I guess what I want to do is first. So when I talked to these guys, I sent them an article. It's a Salon article on uh, friends. It's called "Why Men Have So Much Trouble Making Friends." So if you're interested, just, you know, Google that and see it. But um, I just wanted to, I'm going to start first in order of the way you guys appear to my right on this Zoom uh, video, just to ask you what your thoughts are on the article and, and the phenomenon that I'm talking about. So Zach, what what are your thoughts on the article and the phenomenon of, uh, or the difficulty, at least in uh, amongst American men and creating and
2: keeping relationships. And yeah, what struck me about the article is I think it talks about men not being vulnerable enough with each other, uh, that there are archetypes that, you know, we're conditioned and acculturated to, um, play and roles to fill from, from a really early age. And, um, you know, uh, really early, like on, you learn how to sort yourself out depending on what group you're in and, um, so, I think it comes down to vulnerability and um, this idea that men—it's not manly or masculine or a trait associated with testosterone—to uh, to make yourself vulnerable. And we know that real connection uh, with other humans requires us to to be real. And I think vulnerability is a key part of that. And. So that that's what stuck out to me when I when I read the article I was like oh yeah like you have to be that's the missing component a lot of times and I think uh, that's that's summed up by the anecdote about like you know men don't actually ask like will you be my friend like like can we purposely be in a, a caring dynamic mutual dynamic um, and that guys just won't even do that so I, I laughed I love I love early on in our relationship after you sent that email were like Jed. i think jed came on he's like mac will you be my friend <laughs>
3: no i i asked all three of you if you'd be my friend oh there so. you go <laughs> so
2: uh um yeah that was a great primer primer however you want to pronounce it uh for for our discussion and you know our friendships are are all fairly new in the grand scheme of our lives um we're all 40 50 somethings and um you know, Jed and I share a familial relationship. Jed's my brother-in-law you know, through marriage and um, I met Sean through Jed's relationship um, and it's been a wonderful relationship getting to know Sean and 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 then Mac, you and I met through our wives' relationship and that's kind of like how our circles all came together and, um, you know, it's been probably about a year since we've been crossing circles. I think I met you, Sean, uh, Mac, about a year ago and it's been, um, it's been really fun at, at this point in my life to just be open to, to new relationships. I've always tried. My dad was, was one that always said, you know, you can never have too many friends in your life. Like there's always room for another friend. It's not like a zero sum game. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I, try, I try to live by that. Like there's always opportunity to let more light into your life. And I, I see you all as, as being lights in my life. So, um, I'll stop. Cause I, I,
3: you know, I just I just want to say for the record that Zach, you're more romantic than my wife is.
2: So. <laughs> well, uh, you know, our wives <laughs> shared genetic information, so yeah. I mean, when when
3: Zach and I tell our wives that we love them, they say that's nice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and it's not even a joke; it's true. <laughs> that's, that's,
3: that's it. That's the standard Emma's family response.
1: So. Yeah, which which I think proves that it's you know it's the the, um, generality is not necessarily always the case. Um, There are are differences, there are exceptions, if we can call it that. But yes, um, thank you for that, Zach. Uh, Sean, you're next,
4: actually. So, you know, the thing that Zach was mentioning that I found most interesting was the construct itself, right? What are the conditions under which guys make friends or guys wanna be friends, right? Why is it that, you know, those guys that you grew up with, you're good friends with, and then everybody else after that, you know, after your formative years, after your high school years, after your college years is more like work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because, uh, the construct that most men work under is activities. There, there's, there has to be some common activity, right? So you have your work friends and you have, you know, maybe, you know, whatever you're into, whether it be cars or bowling or whatever, um, but that's that's the activity construct under which you have your friends um or biking or whatever so i think women tend to be better at not needing a construct first of all they can just all end up in the same place and that's good enough and they'll keep in touch you know whether they meet in the grocery store or you know the coffee shop they don't have to have known each other beforehand that's enough of a construct for them to say hey let's keep in touch and they're good men are more i think or at least, and maybe I'm just thinking about myself, I think men are more, there has to be some connection on some other activity-based level to kind of create that formal foundation. Um, And I, and I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that as an expert, I'm saying that as a question um, because I, I try to think back to like my time in college, right. Where, you know, we were, kind of forced into certain types of educational and cerebral endeavors where, okay, maybe you, you know, liked science fiction or you liked, um, you know, learning about trees or animals or whatever it was, you know, depending on your background and so that group might have been a little bit more cerebral. Um, So I don't mean activity as in it's got to be a physical football kind of activity. I just mean there has to be some construct under which men come together. Otherwise I think um, there might be a um, a holdover from uh, previous generations of training that, you know, kind of say without thought to a man in his back of his mind, Hey, why are we all congregating here together if we're not actually accomplishing something, you know? And so, and so that's the part, part of the whole thing that I think about is, um, you know, is that part of the problem? Is it, is it that, you know, we come from generations and generations of if men are all hanging out together, there's there should be a good reason why they're hanging out. And so that we just unconsciously operate on that. Or is there something else to it? So that's just the, you know, the question that I, yeah, that I spend all my time thinking about.
1: It's a great, great question. And yeah, it, it's interesting because it talks about um, a lot of these things that, you know, a lot of the questions that you guys bring up in the article, like whether or not you um, so Zach mentioned the, the way that we have our relationships is, you know, whether familial or through associations with our wives or in, in the case of myself right. and, and Zach with our wives and, and that sort of thing. It talks about that in the article. It talks about the, the group relationships and the activities and that sort of thing. So this is actually a very, very good article, um, you know, to to start the conversation, to give you some ideas about all these different touch points. But definitely I'm glad you guys are giving your own opinions about it. From your standpoint, um, now let me ask you, Jed, uh, your thoughts on the article. Yeah, well,
3: I'll, I'll start off by saying that I'm I'm also an introvert, which adds an interesting element to this whole thing. But um, I think I think one of the things that um, that Sean said about you know this sort of um, the construct is important because I think as kids, or at least me, at uh, me as a kid uh, you know i wasn't thoughtful enough to think about choosing my construct right i was i was conscripted into my <laughs> construct right, whether that you was <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> yeah. and and that was okay cuz that was like you know I, I most of the time i enjoyed what i was doing but the, the 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 where that fails is just cuz you enjoy what you're doing and for me as a kid it was you know it was riding my bike swimming uh animals and football like mm. i happen to be in those activities and i love them all but just because you love those activities doesn't mean you're naturally going to line up with the people who you're doing those activities with, right. right right and in some in some cases that thankfully the other three were okay but um football was not a healthy place for me to be mm. you know and for a lot of reasons i mean physically you could you make all kinds of arguments i loved playing football and you know I'm weird in a lot of ways. I don't think that's because of the head-to-head contact, but who knows? But, um, but you know, for me, that that culture, the the sort of football culture, growing up in Texas, Mm -hmm. in a in a very white place, um, was just an unhealthy place for me to be. I didn't line up with the values of the people that I was playing football with. Mostly, Mm -hmm. I mean, there were a couple couple guys that, if I had been smarter, you know, I would have. Spent more time with because i yeah. I lined up with them it just happened those guys were the stoners and i didn't i didn't I didn't smoke weed well I did smoke weed, but I found out that <laughs> it didn't it it didn't do much for me except make me fatter and make me sleep more <laughs> it's, I was like i I'd, I'd smoke a joint and like within five minutes i'd be with a, a bag of tortilla chips in my chest or something. I was like, you know this doesn't work for me. That's so not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> but those, those are the guys I identified with, and a couple of them happened to play football. And if I had been smarter, I would have figured out how to be their friend yeah. and maybe manage the, the weed issue somehow. Yeah. Um, but I ended up hanging out with football players, who, who most of whom I shared no values with. And mm-hmm. um, and then that became a tough thing because I began to rely on that, and it was in conflict with who I was as a person and then when I lost that in college, after I you know finished playing football, I, there was like this void in my life for something that, you know, never really provided me with that that much support. Anyways, it right. provided me provided me with joy, like the physical joy of playing football. I loved right, that was awesome, but it didn't provide me with um, you know a friend group that was really you know key to who I was. So, um, so I guess that's uh, that to me is part of the focus, uh, or, or one of the things I took away from the article is how, you know if I had been more thoughtful as a kid, I probably could have figured out how to create my own construct rather than just being thrown into something that I thought I needed to be
1: part of. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, Thank you guys for your answers. Now um, there's a lot of, there's there's a lot of uh, similarity to your story, Jed, that I find within myself. So I also played uh, football. Um, I also feel like I was uh, conscripted into uh, my role or at the very least I, 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 like you didn't have uh, have anyone to tell me how to think about these things. And I think that's that's key to part of what, why we struggle as men. Like, I don't think um, when we are being raised, we are being taught to, to make friends. Um, I think that there is more of a focus on women and in, in their socializing, uh, and, and maybe that's true. I don't know how true that is. And again, I'm not an expert too, but I know for, um there was a time when my wife and I, we were, you know, and we talk about this in multiple different episodes, but we were going through some things and we um, went to a relationship boot camp and, you know, the psychologist who ran it had some different opinions about how, opinions based on, you know, research. um, I don't know how true um, these are, but. Um, the different ways that men are um, in as compared to women. And one of the things that he talked about understanding between ourselves is um, how men, for the most part, they have shame that drives them at their core vulnerabilities. And then women, um, they have fear. And then the fear happens to be whether it's harm, um, security, or isolation. And a lot of times um, we don't recognize how much women have that fear of isolation and whether it's because of biology or upbringing, because I don't know how much of this he's doing in other cultures. Um, If it is upbringing, women have that need and they will take on shame or humiliation in order to satisfy the need of isolation. So that's why women are typically reaching out. Um, You'll find also um, that, you know, he'll talk about what happens to most men. You think that when there is a divorce, the men are the ones who are out there going and getting younger women. But what um, the research shows is that a lot of times the men have no friends, they weren't building those relationships, and they die early because the women are the ones who were their, you know, their connection to the world. And, you know, because our our thing is a fear of shame. And I, I actually do think that part of it is that we are, we are being raised um, to fear failure, because, you know, you're being told to, um, you know, you have to be successful, you have to be the provider, you have to toughen up, you have to be you know, this and that, and that is causing us um, in a lot of ways to fear going out, as it says in the article and saying, hey, can you be my friend? Because it, it makes us like uh, Zach was talking about, have that fear of vulnerability. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious as, uh, you know, as to what you guys think about that concept of how we are being raised um, and, and how that's affecting us and our ability to be vulnerable with one another. Anyone could jump in.
4: So, it's that's an interesting perspective, and I've never, I've never really thought about it that way. I guess for me, I'm coming more from, um, and and, it, and I fight against it. The older I get, I'm more like, these are my normative values. These are the things I'm interested in. Um, these are, um, you know, the things I do. And the need to necessarily deviate outside of that um, from a cost benefit analysis just isn't really doesn't really seem like it's that high Um, until you get to the point that you just made. Right. Which is okay, But if you, you know, um, you know, if you end up in a situation where you don't have another conduit, that's uh, bringing socialization into your life what are you going to do then? Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Um, I, I, don't, I don't feel the, the same level of need to make that, you know, to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, okay. so, what that's all about necessarily. Let me say
1: that this is that's something I, I, I shared with you as well. And there was actually, and I, I also talk about this during um, earlier episodes, but there is a point when I decided, because before I just turned 40, in July. And prior to that, um, one of uh, our family friends was turning 50. And I remember um, going to the 50th. And if you, um, you know, have relationships with Nigerians, you know that they when they celebrate birthdays, especially the decades, they celebrate the birthdays like this is like a big to do. And so um, this is not something that I was familiar with, but he was turning 50 and they had people coming in from everywhere. And, you know, the love that he was showing, I was like, oh my God, I, I, he, I, th- this is definitely because prior to then I was convinced that all I needed was my wife, my children, I have my family. I don't need to go out and put myself in a position, essentially, uh, now that I look at it, to, to be hurt, you know, to, because I'm, I'm trying to build relationships with people. When I already have relationships that I need. And so I was like, no, you know what? I think I definitely do need that. And so when Zach, when you're talking about that, you know, being, having that light, this is exactly the kind of thing that I want to develop and become because I recognize that then that that's a valuable thing. And, um, and so I say to what you just said, Sean, with respect to, you know, making that choice, um, you know, there is. I think, a lot of value, a lot of benefit to your having the, you know, multiple friends and getting, you know, the the light from that, those friends and the happiness from those friends. And so, um, I guess, to, to ask the question with respect to that, I, I it would be, you know, um, I, I guess, you know, why would you not why do you think you would not um, go out? If, if, if not for fear, why do you think um, you would choose, um, you know, to, to um, I, I don't know, for lack of a better word to, you know, isolate yourself or not make those friends?
4: So <laughs> let me use, let me use um, Jed's example, right? Um, cause it, cause it's not so much that it's a desire to be isolated. It's just the benefit analysis. So if I use Jed's example, right, let's say that um, after what Jed was just saying about, you know, his interaction with folks on the football team and everything, as he went through his life, those were the only people that he kept coming in contact with. And he had like made his decision that I don't want to be like that. And I don't want to interact with those folks Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not willing to make the decision that I'm going to go with that, Whatever it is, train of thought, set of activities, whatever, um, then it's a matter of as you said with women, how uncomfortable you are with that decision. And if you're not uncomfortable with that decision, then you, you know, tend to stick with either a smaller group or kind of going your own way. So for me, I just, um, I, I, uh, I, I joke with some of my older friends about. Suffering from a good upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. I I grew up in this kind of Montgomery County area where, at the time I grew up, um, everybody was everybody, right? There was there. It's not that other things didn't exist, but they didn't. But other um, other maladies, other um, you know views, other kind of um, um, thought thoughts about different ethnic groups and so forth and so on. They weren't so much a part of our life here. It's not that we weren't aware of them. It's not that we didn't run into them, but the, the kids that I grew up with, it wasn't really a part of it. And so as I got older um, folks who um, you know, had a more narrow or, a, or, or, uh, or a, um, it's not even narrow all the time, as much as sometimes it's just a more specific view. I'm going to be that way. You know, I like this. I don't like that. Not as eclectic of a view. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily people who appealed to me. And so it, it's, it's taken a long time for me to run into people such as, you know, the folks on this podcast who are more eclectic in their understanding and their interest. Mm-hmm. you know, where I feel like that's, um, that's the mix that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And the debate that I always have with my wife is my wife's always like, well, why don't you go out there and find them? And, and so to that, I always tell her I could spend a lot of time looking for the proper um, mix of crazy mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that, that works for me. Or I could just be, um, you know, kind of like the flowers that that grow on the hillside, that whole analogy, I could be happy with the fact that there are flowers and that I got to see the ones that I liked, Mm -hmm. and appreciate them when I pass them. But if I just spend all my time just looking for, you know, that next special flower, then that's, that's a lot of effort. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I, 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 it's something that I I fight against. Let me put it that way. I
3: think I'm pretty sure Sean just called the rest of us special flowers.
2: Did hear that? Right? <laughs> I, I, I yeah,
4: are, all of you <laughs>
3: uh,
4: <laughs> special flower.
2: <laughs> well, Sean, you're 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 touching upon like that box that I think a lot of guys yeah. themselves. The man, in. box. Yes, yeah, yes. yes. we was... from
4: flowers to boxes. I don't know. If that's going. <laughs>
2: <on>. <laughs> flowers to <laughs> <Okay>. box. <laughs> just the uh, limit. The limits that I think men put on. You know what it means to be a human and to, to, to be a human that is of the X, Y, you know, chromosome expression. Um, there's a, there was an article, I'm going to add the article that was in the Atlantic a couple months ago. Uh, it's about raising boys. Mm. Um, and it was about bro culture. Um, and just how like adolescent boys these days, um, just some of the perils and messages that they receive early on. And a lot of the massage, it's, uh, it talks a lot about the misogyny that's taught really early on about how to relate to women. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to put out there, I think sometimes guys struggle um, because uh, they haven't really uh, been taught like the full expression of, of their sexuality and what it means to be a sexual human. So Mm -hmm. I just, I, we don't have to explore that. Now, totally, but I think that one of our challenges as men, you know, having testosterone, is that we are we do have this hormone that's like driving us, um, you know, some men more than others. Um, and if you're a heterosexual male, you know, like the the you, I think you're taught the object of that of that desire is a woman and, and, and women. You know, if you're if you're homosexual or or pansexual or whatever. I don't know if we've ever really talked about about that role, and I think guys, to your point about shame, they don't know what to do with that, and so there's a very limited expression about what's acceptable in our culture yeah. to do that. And I don't know if women—I know, you know—certainly women have a sex drive of their own, but it's it's not it's different. It looks it looks different. It's expressed differently, and I'd like to just offer that up as a potential discussion point for us to absolutely talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just,
4: just going to say, but, but on the subject of, of, of friends and how you make them, um, uh, you know, I, I value the friendships that I make greatly, so I don't make them lightly.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And so that, that's another thing. To me, there is, um, there is an intrinsic um, value to a friendship, but that also means that there's an inherent um, requirement to that friendship as well. And so, to me, the people who I bespo- bestow that on, it also means that you know they kind of get that as well. And the problem is, they've got to be people who deserve it. Do you see what I'm saying? And um, you know, the, the the world and and people um, have have you know my my wife says you're an old man. Um, I think the world has moved away from a lot of the um, you know the morals as far as how you treat each other and individuals, um, like the person that are really, yeah, kind of baked into me. And so there's, there's a lot of people that for me on the men's side, it kind of excludes immediately because, you know, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't really hang out with the, you know, the, the the people who yell at their wives or beat their wives. I can't, you know, like there's, there's just certain things that are Mm non-starters, um, you know, or the, you know, the, the, how people treat their children. There's just, there's a whole lot of those
2: kind of. Yeah. yeah. And that article I referenced, Sean talks about toxic mas- masculinity, yeah, right? Right, like, right. It talks about this bro culture and, and mm-hmm. uh, that's what I mean by like, there's not, I don't, there's sometimes a limited spectrum of what, you know, that box that guys are expected to operate within. And, and yeah. the friends that I've made throughout my life, the people that I'm closest to, I think to your point, Sean, are those that like, they're not in a box. Like yeah. they're, they they have the uh, a core understanding of the dignity and of um you know the possibilities of, of the fullest expressions of what's possible to be to be a human and, and even to be a man. Yeah.
4: Or maybe or maybe if I if I try to answer the question an opposite direction because that's a, that's an interesting way of looking at it, Zach. And I just don't focus on how other people are, but I just focus on how I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not real good at, at going along to get along. Mm-hmm. So it means that the people I hang out with have to be people who going along with them is because they have similar values
2: mm-hmm.
4: and similar traits. Does that, does that kind of make sense?
2: Yeah.
4: Um, yeah I'm just, like I'm I can just... I, I don't, I don't do well with the whole, you know, drinking with the guys at the bar because there's probably going to be things that come out that mm-hmm. are not going to be me. And yeah. when that happens, then we're done. I mean, I'm not, just, I'm not a let's...
2: It's like, oh, you had to go and say that. like. Oh.
3: Sean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about the time when we were in Austin and, and we, we were so hot, we had to go, we went into that hotel bar and then we sat and watched that blues band for like four hours. I think you, 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 you go along, get along, you know, as long as,
4: there's good, as, long as, there's, as long as there's air conditioning, good drinks and good food. I mean... So, so here the here, let, me, let me throw out some let me throw out some terms from across the times that may make my point right um, uh, he he's not a he's not a good drunk right or uh, he's got a temper or uh, um, he, he flies off the handle or uh, he's only that way with her yeah. or you know He's a great guy, except like I, I don't do well with those people where you got to make excuses for them. The butts, yeah, And yeah. The butt people I don't make I don't make I don't make I don't do well with them, and so um, I think as I've gotten older, and it's become for my uh, self esteem less and less necessary, mm-hmm. and I stick to the people who I think you know intrinsically. Um, are what I consider to be real men rather than mm-hmm. who have all of these like serious flaws. And we just kind of put up with them uh, because that's what you're supposed to do. You're right.
1: No, I, 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 I'd, I'd hope, and again, not being an expert, not, not having done any research on what the numbers are. I'd hope that, you know, and I know that you're just giving examples of the type of people that, you know, you wouldn't hang out with. And so it probably is a little bit more broad than that, but I'd hope that's the kind of thing, you know, that, that we're talking about where you have, um, you know, abusive people, whether uh, physical, physically or uh, emotionally, you know, or um, the kind of people who are, you know, less than progressive. Um, you know, there are many more of those individuals, many, or not, enough, not that much of those individuals that we are probably not exposing ourselves to just because we aren't necessarily taking, making that effort. Um, but but I think there is, you know, there's two things. First, the box thing definitely exists. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how much of us are living within the box and therefore, you know, could probably be a little bit more vulnerable with one another and therefore find out that we are more alike than we, we think we are. Because, but, but, you know, when we get together, for example, we have to talk sports when maybe that's not necessarily something you want to do. And I think, you know, as you grow older and we're all um, a little bit more old, you know, 40s and 50s, you could probably um, not care as much about that, right? So you can start to say, all right, this is something that I don't have to pretend to be anymore. But at the same time, you're also probably a little bit more set in your ways and isolated. So you're not making the same efforts that you were doing when you were in college and that sort of thing. And you're not in the environment to do it. You know, you, you have your families and that sort of thing. And it's a lot harder to make that, that um, connection when you are more yourself. But um, I'm wondering, um, you know, uh, uh, Zach, for someone who does go out and, and heeds your, your father's friend, um, uh, advice, my father is, uh, you know, the kind of person who was out there having, he has tons of friends and, you know, people really respect him. And it's so interesting because he does so many things that, um, that I, you know, that are admirable that I didn't get because he was always at work. And he didn't necessarily like he, you you know, he imprinted upon me the need for education, but he didn't actually have his own personality imprinted on me because he didn't spend that much time with me. Um, but yeah, I wonder what do you do? Um, and, and how do you, I guess, overcome, you know, whatever it is that's holding every everyone else back from doing that and, and form these relationships? What, what would you say are some of the elements of of what it takes to, um, you know, create, build, maintain
2: relationships. I I recognize that we live in a really transactional culture, so it's a, a lot of times it's like, what can this person do for me, right? Especially in D.C., right? Like people are always trying to make connections, and you know, like what it, like what what can this person lead me towards, and you know, how can I leverage this relationship? And I really try to be conscious about when I meet someone, I try to see them in that term. Like I really try to like understand what their motivations are. And like, you know, um, I grew up in a, in a, a Christian church, an evangelical Christian church. And a lot of the teachings are about, you know, uh, the, the everyone's a child of God. Right. So I, um, and that's really stuck with me while I, I haven't, uh, while I've left the church and um, you know, a lot of those teachings still stick with me. Like, I see people as um, the potential, and I try to understand, um, you know, like, what it is that they're trying to bring and live in their lives. And, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of people that I encounter, they're, you know, like, even when people encounter me, they're going to encounter me in a state where I'm just kind of like, it's, I'm in my process, and I'm not really being vulnerable. Like, I'm just, just, going through the motions, you know, like there's so much that comes at us and it's a coping mechanism. But, you know, when I, when I see the opportunity to connect with someone, I, I try to do that by just doing some of the basic things like maintaining eye contact, asking questions, showing an interest. Truly. I, I I think I have something to learn from everybody, even, even the biggest jerks. Um, Sometimes I'm just like, all right, what is it that I'm, Like, what is, what can this, what is this telling me about myself? And like, why am I feeling what I feel? Mm. Um, So I I don't know. I think I try really hard to make real connections with people um, when, you know, to Sean's point, like when I'm in that space where I want, where I've, I've made the cost benefit analysis that like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is going to be worth it to take Mm -hmm. that, that chance and be vulnerable. Yeah so let me let me let me uh follow up with that um and this question is for
1: jed you know you you talked about you know um finding that right fit within your friends if you you know in college um, I mean in high school particularly, so you were hanging out with uh the football players, but should have hung out with uh you know, <coughs> those who were more like the stoners and I'm wondering based on what Sean is saying, you know this idea of being able to connect with various different types of people if I mean, I guess twofold, right? Maybe we weren't um, trying to understand or, you know, and I say we because I, I feel like I've we all do it. I've done it. I think we all are doing it where we, and I think perhaps Sean, you're doing it, where the idea is, you know, there is a lot more depth to that person. There is a, an area where you could have probably connected and maybe um, gotten through whatever facade they were putting up. And connected on a different level, but you know these guys were pretending to be something, whereas maybe you were pretending to be something as well. And they didn't have any idea that you were more of a stoner. And so, how much of that is what we're doing, where we're not taking enough of an interest and enough effort to go and find out who that true person is and how we can connect? I think that's.
3: I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, I think that you know, in general, I think the biggest barriers for me are. in in making friends or creating this network of people is, uh, you know, not being intentional about it. Um, And then, you know, closely linked to that is not making time for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I, I do think not to go too far back in the conversation here, but I, I actually think all those, what underlies all that is, you know, fear of failure or shame, or, you know, it's like we, you know, we're in a situation, I think, and I specifically am in a situation where, you know, my dad is a lot like yours, Mac. I mean, he's highly respected, highly educated. Everybody you ever talked to, you know, your dad's great. Your dad's great. I didn't spend time with him because he was so motivated by, I think, fear of failure and shame that he was spending every moment he could building his career and doing other things. And he just, that, that was it. Like that was it. And then, you know, so that was part of what I learned as a kid is what you do, you know, as a, as a man and, and, you know, I still suffer from that. It's like you, you know, it, I think it's great to invest a lot of time and effort in being successful and avoiding failure in your professional life, your personal life, your relationships, your kids, your wife. Um, and you can do that to the exclusion of everything else. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it's easy to say, well, I don't have time for that. You know, right. I'm, I'm focused on these other things. I don't have time for that. Right. Um, but it's really, it's all driven by that, you know, the fear of failure in my mind. And so, so I, think, uh, I think just being intentional and making the time is a big deal. Cause I, I mean, I think a lot of people out there are willing to connect um, if, you, if you take those steps. Yeah, very good.
1: All right, so I want to also go back a little bit. Um, you know, Zach, you mentioned um, the idea of sexuality. Um, you know, the bro culture. And I think part of part of what differentiates the way that we behave from uh, the way that women behave is their ability to be intimate with one another. I think there is at least, again, um, you know, in, in our culture, this fear of, you know, this almost like um, homophobia where we can't you know, have that kind of in- intimacy with one another, and I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. And I know there, you know, uh, Zach, you were talking about more on how we treat women, but I'm wondering if you know part of that also is, um, you know, this aggressive, um, you know, th- this testosterone and how it creates this, uh, you know, potentially more aggressive sex drive, and how we're not necessarily comfortable with. Um, that feeling as it relates to our um, connection with men, I, I'm wondering.
2: Yeah, I think there's, it's complex, right? There's, a, there, I think you're, we're touching on a couple different strands, but I, I'd i like to address kind of like the the man intimacy um, uh, strand, and in, um, I think I mentioned to you guys in a previous discussion, and uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin's Team of Rivals, which is a, a biography of Abraham Lincoln and after he won his first election and, um, you know, how he kind of put together a cabinet that was, you know, basically people that were just going at each other's throats before and how he brought them together and really created something really dynamic and created an environment. And, you know, I heard her um, talking about the book on our press tour and she talked about how when, when Lincoln was a lawyer, you know, lawyers were, um, they had to travel around kind of from town to town. Um, and they would set up shop, you know, and have court, you know, like they would do their business, you know, for a week at a time in different towns. And so there was a bit of a circuit. And um, they would stay in boarding houses. And, you know, in these boarding houses, you shared a bed, right? Like, it wasn't like you had your own private room. It was like, no, there's a bed, it sleeps three, do you want slot, you know, one or whatever. And they're traveling with with sometimes their other lawyers and their deep, these companions. And they, she talked about how they would, you know, like men would lay in bed and have these, they would just pour out their hearts to each other and talk about really intimate things. And it wasn't a sexual relationship in that, like that intimacy was consummated with a sexual act. It was just that there was an understanding that your wife played a certain role. um, And it wasn't, to build up your emotional needs like men sought intimate relationships with other men to mm. meet those like longing and wow. those, those needs to connect with other men. And it was more, I think, culturally acceptable for men to embrace, to walk hand in hand, to, to have those just like to cry mm. and show it, show vulnerability in front of other men. And, I can tell you, I I think I'm pretty progressive and I have really deep, intimate connections with some of my friends, but I don't cry in front of them. You know, like I don't, I I don't like, I mean, I would, I I, suppose, but like, like I I'm not, I mean, I'm so far away from allowing myself to be that vulnerable. Hmm. Um, It blows my mind. And then I read about different contexts and, you know, like that's not always been the case. Interesting. That is that is act,
1: that is very interesting. I wonder when that started to shift. And I and I and I get that. I mean, I feel like uh you know like throughout history, whether you're talking about like um you know the Roman era where you know um you clearly with men and, um, and women.
2: Or like, sort of, like, like, the Roman soldiers would just have like a, a younger teenager that they were responsible for initiating sexual mentor, yeah. yeah. Oh, the well, well, and there was a sexual component to it too. Exactly. That. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I wonder what
1: um, started to shift. And I'm also finding it very interesting too, how you know, you guys talk about the man box and how we have this limiting, um, you know, idea of what's acceptable. I always found that this was the case with me. Um, As a black man, I think like for for black boys growing up and you guys, you know, uh, I obviously experienced the same thing, but I wondered, I, I thought for me that, you know, m- white men, white males could be a lot more like you there was more acceptable behavior for for what was acceptable for us it was. You know, um there is a lot of things that when I was growing up that were not acceptable. Even the way that we spoke, for example, had to be like, you know, a certain way. And I don't know, um, Sean, if you feel the same way. But, you know, um, I thought that, you know, a lot of things that we do as men, um, especially when growing up, is for the um, affection of um, women. I mean, for everyone else as well, but like um, for women, you know, obviously, if you have Um, while growing up, at least in in, in my culture, if you have the affection of um, many women, you know, you would be considered um, of a higher status amongst your male peers as well. So, um, but I I know that part of the issue was that even the women, and even, and I say this to say, like, um, it's it's so all-encompassing in terms of, um, you know, the expectation on us. It's not just um, men on men, but women um, that we you know, have interest for expect us to behave a certain way. And exactly. even mothers expect us to behave a certain way. It's just like we're being told every, by every aspect of society of how to behave and where um, our limitations are. So um, I don't know. Um, I guess this is for you, Sean, if I know if you had similar experiences growing up, but that's how I, uh, uh, that's how it was for me growing up.
4: And hey, you just covered a lot of ground. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think another way of of saying acceptable uh, is is if we were going to use the more of a pejorative is to say what you can get away with. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Um th- yeah, there definitely was a limit on what you could get away with. Um but but uh, you know to put it more in a uh, a more amiable parlance, yeah. Um as far as acceptability um it 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 was a very close uh second to quote acceptability and that was a social a a social normative type of thing right in other words it's not so much whether it was actually right or wrong as well as what the peer group or what the societal group thought was okay and so you could live one place and it could be okay and you could go someplace else and it could be not okay or vice versa Uh, it just depended on where you um you know where you came up um one side of my family was you know from the country in virginia and the other one was from the city in dc and and we grew up at a time when we learned to operate in both of those worlds and operating in both of those worlds was a a cultural culturally different thing
2: like code code switching (laughs) yeah
4: code switching is part of it um but but the rationale behind it was another was a whole other thing, which we could take a whole podcast to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say that to say that it all feeds into what we're talking about today, which is um, what goes into how you make friends and the basis upon which you make friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so not to go too far down that rabbit hole, um, but to try to maybe clarify a little bit of what I was saying earlier is because of that um, there there is kind of a an unstated um reference i know in my own, in the in the back of my own mind when i make friends is is this someone who has my back or not hmm. yeah right uh, is and there that's really
2: an element of trust
4: and that it's no it's not trust it's whether they have your back okay um and the difference is that Um, I could have acquaintances all day long, but there, but the difference is if I call you and I need something, do I actually have an expectation that you would come or you would make an effort versus you would not.
2: Yeah.
4: And that's, and that's not a gray line in my mind. It either, and it's not, and it's not taking anything away from a person. It's just people are wired differently and some people operate on that principle and some people don't okay um it, it's not a matter of are you friends enough it's just it's just how that person's sense of integrity et cetera, work you orientation know
2: orientation of understanding of what it means to be a friend
4: yeah i mean as i when i went to school and um you know when i went to college down in southwestern virginia i could tell you right now there's a lot of people who i was friends with down there where i'm i'm not going to necessarily tell you that we were the strongest friends but I can tell you that if something happened and and I had to call them, they would show up. That's just how they're wired. Mm -hmm. And it had nothing to do with the fact that we were the best of friends, but it had to do with what friendship meant to them. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and so it's so, and I think also because one half of my family was from the city and one half was from the country, I got like this, what I, what I view, which may not be the correct vernacular to use, kind of this um, from the country um, very grounded kind of view of friendship as well as an understanding of what I consider to be more of the city understanding of friendship which is more of what Zach was describing about what people who are like well what is our mutually beneficial reason for being friends versus what I experienced with more of the rural roots where it was more of, no, I mean, we either are, we are. And if we are, it's whatever you need that I can provide and I can't always provide it. But if you call, I'm going to try to do what I can kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if that spun a yarn that totally confused everybody, but. um, No, no, no. no. I I think for me, what, what it uh, highlights is,
1: you know, that, we have different, um, definitions of friend, uh, friends, obviously. So part of what I, I was thinking about when you were saying this is like, I know that there are a lot of women, for example, who have friends who they also feel like they've been betrayed in one way or another with, with that person, but they still maintain that friendship. Correct. quote. Unquote. Um, <laughs> you know, and so, I, you know, and I know for example, like, um, Bola and I, you you know well you would never know bola wasn't an, an introvert but we are a, essentially each other's best friends like um we have similar history in that like when we we're growing up we we throughout like you know various different school years i can point out to you that one friend that i had because all i needed was that one friend i don't go out and, and find too many others but uh, part of the reason that i think we do that is because we've ident- we identified someone who we felt just like you said sean was gonna have your back like this person had your back and you know with with whatever it is that you do and i wonder about two things with respect to that one of the things with respect to um that friend is not that only that they had our back but that they clicked so it's the same thing that we were talking like we clicked rather um so it's the same thing that we were talking about earlier with How do you formulate um, relationships with people who are not necessarily a lot like you so i think that's one question about that about what friendship is because you could have somebody you click with like you know you vibe everything works you talk about the same things your interests are the same but maybe that person doesn't have your back necessarily if you need to call on them they're not necessarily going to come then maybe you like because of the culture or the upbringing of that person you may not Ever have a need to call them because you you don't hang out in the same places, but you know that person in their um, character would come to your aid if you ask. and so I'm wondering I guess how you um, reconcile the two when you're thinking about friendships
4: yeah so so let me let me let me put it this way right and it, it, it's it's kind of like chitlins and chewing gum right <laughs> i i don't it's not so much what you look like, what you're into, or what you're about. It's about the moral fiber. And and I, as I've gotten older, I've had to just admit that that really is the thing for me that matters the most, right? I mean, I've I've, I've got friends who like comic books and friends who like guns and, you know, friends who, you know, like you know, taking computers apart and engineers that all they can do is, you know, talk about building structure. It, it's not, it's not what they do or are or, or into or that kind of thing that matters to me. It's the type of person they are and how they treat other people. And that's, that's kind of the, the, the factor that matters to me. So when I talk about um, if they have your back or not, I don't necessarily mean that that's somebody who's going to stand and fight on your behalf as much as I just mean if you call them up, they're going to pick up the phone as opposed to telling you three weeks later, oh, you know, I saw you call three weeks ago. Right. Uh, what would you want? It's like, well, <laughs> right. if I called three weeks ago, I wanted to talk to you three weeks ago. I yeah. didn't want you to call me back and tell me three weeks later that you got my call. Right. Yeah. Some people that that's to them, that's their idea of friendship, right? Is, um, it's, it's self-ingratiating to feel that they are in contact with multiple people at any given time. And that that somehow, um, creates a standard for friendship. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have two people that I know I can count on than have 200 that are not going to take my call. Right. Um, so you, so you're right. I mean, it, it depends on what your idea of, of, of friendship is now saying that um i don't want to give them a wrong impression my my wife also says i could talk to a rock yeah. um, i i don't dislike people in fact i'm i'm an extrovert i mean mm-hmm. no two ways about it i am definitely an extrovert mm-hmm. um and you know we, we'll go to functions or go to affairs and i can tell you everything about everybody i met mm-hmm. and then my wife will say oh that that sounds like you guys hit it off did you get their number and i'll be like no <laughs> and she's like well if you know all that, why did you get their number? And I'm like, yeah, you know, because it did, it, cause that part of it doesn't occur to me as readily, mm-hmm. but, but I am interested in people. I am fascinated about where they come from and, and, you know, their lives and what they do um, because this is going to sound weird, but in the, in the same way that Zach was saying that he believes in the innate um, value of everyone um, that that's something that I, I share as well, right? Is that you can always learn from somebody else. Um, there's always some, something you can learn from a new and different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, just, that's just me. I
1: just wanted to throw that question out to, you know, each, uh, Zach and, and Jed, um, you know, what, what's your definition of friendship? And yeah, just, just that. What's your definition of friendship? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making a note right now.
3: The answer Sean's texts in less than three weeks.
1: So.
3: <laughs> you can understand. Uh, I got three weeks to answer your
4: texts. I, now I know. Now I know what the. You know, it's, <laughs> it's funny because the interesting thing about this conversation is the things that um, dawn on me, right? Because I don't walk around asking myself these questions. Mm-hmm. And so it's only when the question is posed that I really think about it, right? Like, I, I have a friend, for example, that I mean, I have known through jobs and, and everything else for more than two decades. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of fallen off because of that very issue that I just talked about. Right. Which is, you know, you send them messages and you'll be like, Hey, what's going on? Send a voicemail, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, three months later when they get interested, they're like, Hey, how you, been? I haven't heard from you. It's like, no, actually <laughs> you haven't responded back to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, I didn't yeah. know that was going on with you. You almost died." Like, well, you didn't know because you don't keep in touch. Yeah.
1: yeah. So- but, see, the thing is, I just before you guys answer that because I wanted to say what I I, I would, I, and this is the same thing with my family. And again, like I am trying to be better in the next ten years. I want, I hope you know, you guys are showing your up for my is 50th. Your goal to
2: have a 50th, like, like yes, a- you're okay. there. All of you are there. Okay,
1: that, definitely the goal definitely it's going to Three. have to be huge i like just it i like it <laughs> but but I, I know like this is something and i and i have to I do a much better job like my mother my father everyone that i am really close with they do not hear from me and um but you call me up if you call me up and you know you're texting or whatever it's like hey i just want to say what's up you're not going to hear from me if you call me up and say I need ABC, then that's when I spring to action. Because for whatever reason, my thing is I don't like I do. I didn't want to be having like these "Hey, how's it going?" and like what I consider awkward conversations. Where that's why you know, you know, I'm maybe a little older, but I I, I prefer text because it's like real yeah. quick. I tell you exactly what I need. And then but I, see it, that
4: counts. But to me, yeah. that counts.
1: Right?
3: <laughs> yeah. We I gotta tell you, my you know my my best friend who's from college who I I stay in touch with. He's a really interesting guy. He gambles for a living. I could tell you all about him next time we get together, but he and I, we've known each other for, I don't know, 30 years, 40, almost 40 years. And for a long time, we got in this habit of before text was a thing, we would call each other and it was okay to say, Hey man, this is just an FMC and fmc is friend maintenance call right? mm-hmm. and that was the message to say if you're busy you just say hey man thanks i'll talk right. to you again soon and mm-hmm. then if you had time to talk you talked right mm-hmm. so it's like we had this like this norm right. it was like hey we want to stay in touch but we know we're all you know we got other stuff to do you know he's got to go place a
4: bet i gotta go take care of an animal you know whatever it might be uh-huh. so but that's but see that's what i'm saying yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't that he called and then you thought to yourself, oh, wow, you know, three months ago, I should have probably gotten back. You at least no, said was It was just, uh, hey, you got yeah. your message. True. You true the difference? True. Yeah. The, yeah, other, yeah. the other curve that I want to throw you, um, Mac, um, because uh, I don't know if you've thought about it this way, because, you know, again, I'm coming from one culture. We're all coming from different cultures, is I come from a very um, large extended family. And one of the side effects I've learned as I've gotten older of that is you're, it's not necessary for you to have direct communications, mm-hmm. to have complete communications when you're part of a large extended family, right? What so mean, yeah. I, I know some of the guys have heard this before, but I'm just gonna give you the math real quick, right? Mm-hmm. So my great-grandmother on my mother's side, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, my great-grandmother on my father's side, okay? Mm-hmm she immigrated up to D.C. from Lynchburg, okay? And she was able to bring up her sister, okay? And her sister had children. So because my grandmother brought up her sister, my great-grandmother brought up her sister and helped her, her sister bring up her children, all of those family members um, have always been very tight knit. And so my father had 26 first cousins because of the number of children they had, which means that at my level, there's somewhere over a hundred that live in the DC area. Wow. You you literally can't throw a stone without hitting one of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so up until those two matriarchs passed away, which was in the like eighties. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone had to show up at church at least once a month. Mm -hmm. Nobody cared whether you were religious or not. You were going through those doors. Okay. Because one of those two matriarchs expected to see you. Mm -hmm. Right. So the way the family network was, was even though I may not have talked to you as a first cousin, my mother would talk to your aunt or your mother who talked to, Etc., etc., and so the news was still traveling. Do you see what I'm saying? So everybody might get together for like reunions or a Redskins cowboy game or something like that, but everybody wasn't talking to everybody all the time, right? But that network of women, for lack of a better way of saying it, was so strong, and then the auxiliary relationships of the men and women who worked together, the men and women who were on different community groups was enough to keep the entire communications network kind of going, where just because person A didn't talk to person B, it didn't mean that you didn't know everything there was to know about their life. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so it, it took me a fair amount of time up into my 30s to re, as people started passing away to realize that this isn't how the rest of the world works. You have to have more direct communication <laughs> And so I do know that that is probably part of what I suffer from Um, because even on my mother's side of the family, that's, um, you know, that was from the country, right? My mother was one of six children, right? And so still, if you go near one of them, they're going to tell you about your entire life because they've been talking to my mother or they've been talking to whoever, right? And on my father's side, it was the same way. You pass a cousin in the street and they're like, oh yeah, you're Rose's uh, grandchild. Uh, Didn't you just uh, get a job at X or go to Y or um, didn't your daughter just go to college? And you're like, how do they know that? I haven't talked to this person in like 16 years. But that's, but that's that's the currency that the older echelon of the network traffics in. And so they talk to each other all the time. And so in that way, they kind of created this virtual for lack of a better way of saying it community um that tied us all together and so as more and more of those upper echelons um go away pass away um then more direct communication is required than was before right yeah it, and it, as
1: you say that what i'm what i'm what i'm thinking and we talked about this uh briefly last uh, two weeks ago when i mentioned, was it two weeks ago or was it a week ago that we talked mm-hmm. a week ago so um I talked about how, um, you know, the way that society is structured now, you don't live in one place like we're, um, you know, we're constantly moving from place to place. Whereas, you know, back in the days, someone would live in a town their entire lives. They would uh, work in that same town. They would um, be raised in that town and work in that same town. They would know the, the same people in um, that town. And it sounds to me a lot like what your family dynamic is. And so since we're constantly moving, um, you know, it it makes it a lot harder to build and maintain those sorts of relationships. And it, it requires a little bit more effort. It can't be that virtual where, well, you know, the town gossip is happening.
4: So the um, so one small correction in, in in your thought process on that. So mm-hmm. it's not so much that it's, it's that you've gotten used to it. And so you expect the telephone chain to kind of work the same way. So let me give you an example, right? I, I've got I've got a cousin who is basically my brother, my, my father's brother's child. Right. And we're 13 weeks apart. Right. Okay. Now all these other cousins I'm telling you about they're you know, first cousin, second cousin, third cousin removed, but this is my actual cousin and we literally were raised together. Right. Mm -hmm. He lives in Florida. Right. If my mother says I was trying to talk to XYZ that's on his side of the family, who's up here in DC. I don't immediately think of who I'm going to call in DC who probably lives on the next block from them. Mm -hmm. I call to Florida and I Mm -hmm. say, where's XYZ? Because I know that I work my side of the chain. He works his side of the chain. That's, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just a part of the culture that I grew up with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even in Florida, he will know where all his people are and what's going on uh, uh, Mm -hmm. with them. Just like I would know where all my people are and what's going on, you know, with them. Yeah you know like 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 a silly a silly but simple example right because this has happened a number of times right my mother would call me and she'd say i think i i saw i saw your uh your 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 other cousin your other cousin's brother um you know going across capitol hill and she's like was that him and i'm like i, I don't know mom uh, <laughs> i wasn't there she's she's like yeah i i wasn't there she's like i'm pretty sure it looked like him and so i would call my cousin down in Florida and I would say, was your brother on Capitol Hill today? And he'd say, oh yeah, you know, he works over in Southeast and that's the way he goes home. So yeah, she probably did see it. Was he driving this kind of car? Yeah, that's probably him, Mm -hmm. right? But that's the network that I grew up being able to rely on. You know, I mean, I'm at HHS, I've got cousins at NIH, I've got ones at Commerce, I've got ones at this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I need to know something, then I just call one of them and they'll, they're like, Oh no, you, uh, you want to know something about treasury? Oh no, that that's, that's the other cousin. Let me, let me call them. <laughs> you
3: know
4: what I'm saying? But it's not like I ever had to call that person. Mm-hmm. I would talk to the person I talked to who would talk to the person they talked to kind of thing. Right.
3: Yeah.
4: So, is. Um, I, I know it's a, it's a contract That's probably communications con contract. That's kind of going by the wayside now because their families aren't, like that anymore but yeah um, it's it's interesting and I guess the the thing that I will I will close that chain of thought uh, just to make all of you smile is um, because it is a true story literally last year
1: Mm.
4: I went to the funeral of a lady that I swear to you I have worked with for 12 years when I came in the agency this was one of the lady who took my hand and was like, this is, this is how you're going to do it. And this is what you need to know about the organization, all this kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Known this woman from the day I entered this, this job. Right. And she passed away. And so I went to her funeral and I walk in with all my work colleagues and I look at the family side and there is 12 of my cousins sitting there. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at me like, well, why are you sitting over there so of Hmm. course i know better than to sit over there even though i don't know what's going on Hmm. so i go and i sit with them so now all my work colleagues are like what (laughs) right Hmm. and so you know at that point i lean over and i'm like um so i'm assuming we're related to they're like of course (laughs) we're related that's (laughs) sissy's cousins da 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 right so it turns out I never, ever knew that this woman was related to me because she ha- her father had passed away um, when she was a teenager. And since her father was the member of our family, then the part of the family that was, you know, brother and sister with him, they kept up with her family. But they didn't really come to their reunions. They didn't really come to the same church. They didn't really do all those other things. So the nucleus that would have normally have been much larger, which would have allowed me to understand that she was related to me, that wasn't, that wasn't active because the member of the tree that would have made that happen had passed away when she was a teenager. Mm. But, but all the other ones that I, you know, that I talk to on a regular basis, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're your cousin. are right there. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, I, I think that's part of my personal, um, thing about how I make connections is that I've always been able to rely on that. Mm. I mean, in that particular case, literally um, a pastor in my family actually did the sermon at this funeral. Um, <laughs> the people singing were people who were directly in my family. Um, this was not somebody who was just kind of like tangentially, partially second removed part of my family. This woman actually was in my family and I never knew it. And I worked side by side with her like, for 20 years. I mean not 20 years for tw- wow. 10 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: So yeah, definitely uh definitely different than um you know <laughs> my experience. <laughs> um but let let me let me ask you guys because I, I, I didn't get the answer from uh Jed and, and Matt and Zach on this your definitions of of what what a friend is and, I, and I'll joke. give mine. And I'll give mine too. Yeah, Mac, go for it. So you want me to go first? Because I was reserving the right as the host to, to like, like,
4: steal all your information. No.
3: I'll, go, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. So, yeah, I mean, I I think for me, I, I have a very fluid definition of friend. I mean, I like that example I gave. My best friend from college. I'm still in touch with him, and you know, he I still consider him one of my best friends. But I rarely get a chance to talk to them um so there's people like that in my history that uh that stay friends forever just because i've i've shared something with them that was a little bit deeper i shared some intimate intimacy or some you know deeper stuff with them and that's just yeah kind of makes you a friend for life no matter you know how much you stay in touch um but to me i think you know i think there's all different levels of friends and um you know I've, i've I don't have a strict definition for how that goes. I think it's very fluid and I think it can change over time. And, um, you know, this kind of ties together with that. What I mentioned earlier about the lack of intention, which I think, (laughs) which I think, you know, bites you in the ass because it's without the intention of the time, you know, it's just kind of floating. So so I think I have a very loose definition of, of what a friend can be and, and uh, you know, it can change over time and it can be all kinds of different levels. But to me, there's no like, here's the definite, like, here's the bar that you have to pass to be my friend, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> cool. Zach? I, I like that. I'll stick with, I'll go with Jed's definition there. I um I, I'm trying to think like to the friends, the long-term friendships I have in my life and Uh, the friends that I have now and yeah there is an intentionality to it and I'd also like to say that in some way they found a way just as I talked about trying to connect with other people I think the the people that I really truly feel a kinship of that friendship with are people that have tried to reach out and see me as well and it's not just like you know oh this guy's you know whatever, like oh, that he's, it's not transactional. It's, it's, they've actually like for whatever reason they're at a place in their life that they, they, they see me and they let, they find a way to signal that to me. Um, that, yeah. Um, that's friendship to me. And, um, yeah, to Jed's point too, and, and, and Sean's point, like there are, um, different, different, you know friends and i'm not really interested in and in, and maintaining something that that's work you know it's like i if there's there's sometimes you just know like like when so- someone's not gonna make a request of you that's not a, a legit request right like if so-and-so's calling on you like yeah like i'm i'm dropping my stuff and i'll, I'll be right there um and I, at this point in my life, I, I really kind of know the difference, I think, mm-hmm. in my interactions with people.
1: Um, yeah, that's interesting. So uh, if I'm going to go, I think I would uh, put myself on the um, opposite side of that. Like, I, I, because I'm questioning everything now, because I'm, I'm going on this journey now, I, I don't know precisely who I would consider a friend anymore, because I feel like a lot of the reason, I mean, obviously, part of the reason I'm doing this is or not obviously, I don't know how obviously, uh, rather. Um, uh, The reason I'm doing this is because I I feel like I I, I want to build and start creating new uh, relationships and start forming new bonds and creating friendships. And so I think, you know, that definition is still being formed. But I can say that, um, you know, one of the only friends that I have now that is not my wife, you know, or family relations, um, is this friend that I had since high school, and you know, he lives in Sola Spring, not too far from here. And, um, you know, every uh, new year, our family spends um, you know, time together, and we've known each other since forever. But he is, you know, one of those guys, I think he was a lot like you, Zach, in a sense that he forms relationships. Like he has um and you know, I definitely want to make sure I give him a shout out here because we have he's bought up, you know, this article about how difficult it is to bring friends. He's pulled people together for one thing or another. Um so that and by people I mean men actually, um, you know, like doing investment clubs and that sort of thing. And so, you know, he does a really good job <laughs> of it. And um, um I think You know, part of the issue that I have probably um, also, and I don't know if if this is just peculiar to me and people like myself, is that I'm very sensitive. Um, And so when you talk about, um, you know, needing somebody to have your back or, um, you know, or seeing potential slights and me saying, okay, this person's not my friend anymore. I wonder how much of that is truly just me. Um, and, and how much of that I need to change within myself. And so uh, again, I'm, I'm just continuing to question. And but yeah, this friend, Mike, Edioquitas, who I'm going to have on definitely have on one of the episodes, um, he is, he doesn't take himself too seriously. And I think that's precisely what allowed me to continue to be, um, you know, his friend. Um, and you know he, he he's not going to um, take any uh, offense to anything. He's not going to take offense to me not reaching out and that sort of thing. And so, we remain friends throughout. Um, you know he he traveled with me, and when I turned 40, him and his wife, and so we remain great friends. And so, um, yeah, I, I guess for me on this journey to uh, grow and, and form relationships, I'm still trying to define precisely what that is. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna um, start to create lines that um, don't exists yet (laughs) but yeah okay well so the thing is we are now at about 725 um, and you know, I don't like to um, do this for more than an hour precisely because I don't want to do too much editing I like the idea of of the conversation flowing and not having to cut it back because um, you know it's too long and I don't want to subject my listeners to anything that's too long Um, and so I think this is, this was good. Um, I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I appreciate you guys for being on the the inaugural, um, I was not going to say podcast, but this, this part of the podcast. We
2: have to see if we make the cut for Bola. I know, right. (laughs) I
4: think we're going to all end up on the floor personally. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what happens here.
1: Well, I, I, well, we'll see. I think it's pretty good. I think her audience will like it. This is, I think, in line with the idea of just jumping in and doing it. You yeah. know which is what the podcast yeah. is about: jump in and for do sure. it. Um, so I think I think it'll it'll work.
2: Cool. But
1: um, any last words for anyone before I close out? And you'll you'll probably like my um the way we close out. But any last words before well, I do that?
2: Just a note of gratitude for you, Mac, for making yourself vulnerable with us, and I see you. And it's really thank you for sharing uh, of yourself with us, uh, you know, at least with me, you know, I I don't want to speak for Jed and Sean, but I'm pretty sure they share the same sentiment. Thank you.
3: And uh, I'll just just add that uh, I already checked with Susie and the house is available for your 50th so we can have, you know, a couple hundred of your
4: best friends (laughs) over here. It's already 10 (laughs) years in
3: advance.
1: I'm already planning it. It's all
4: (laughs) (laughs) good. Love it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's, it's very thought-provoking i appreciate it Pre- appreciate it mac and i uh, look forward to uh some some happy hours where we uh kind of extend the conversation
2: uh, yeah i appreciate i appreciate you uh, uh Jed and sean as well like it's this is really um you know just another glimpse into your lives and helps me understand who you are too so appreciate your friendships
1: awesome Awesome. Thank you guys. And thank you all for listening um, to this episode of Sundays Today, where we encourage you to live your life like it's a fucking vacation. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. All right. all right. I'll see you next time. See week. you later.
3: All see right. Bye bye. Peace.